You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast that explores the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. Make sure to follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes, new episodes, and even some giveaways. Also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan, Lauer spelled like lower. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. You can go to batpodnetwork.com and see some other cool shows that like to embrace the nerdery that we all love. And lastly, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. The link to the page is in the description of this episode. It would only take you maybe 30 seconds of your time, and it helps spread the word. And that word is panic. Now, we are wrapping up the month of uh, spooky celebrations for Halloween and Batman, two things that go together like beer and pretzels. That one probably makes the most sense. Let's go a little weird. Like spaghetti and, uh, I don't know, uh, Kit Kat bars. It's, it's I, I don't know. There you go. It's, it goes together well. And I am bringing in the big gun here to help wrap this wrap this up. I am bringing in the witch of the Straight Out of Gotham podcast because he's always got something cooking. It is my friend Peter Vera. Hello, Pete. Welcome back. Hey, Ryan. Again. What's going on? Uh, it's a hey. pleasure to be here. You know, what? it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, shout out to your co-host Finale Thirty Three, the man who likes to receive all of the concerns of the listeners from the Batman Book Club. Um, his his mailbox is overflowing with all of the audio issues. Is he the uh, he Batman not, Book Club complaint department? <laughs> he sure is. Uh, he is the recipient of all concerns. And um, I just want a shout out to him that he is unable to join us for this episode because he is being a caring and devoted uncle. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking of you, Eric, and I'm going to send you an email bitching about how you aren't here. I think he's just doing this because his nephew's going to owe him some Halloween candy in a couple of days. <laughs> that's how I hope that's so. How Eric's going to get that debt paid off. Couple. What kind? Would, what kind? What kind should he give him? Should he maybe give him like one of those like big popcorn balls? Be like, here, Uncle Eric. I mean, <laughs> I can only that. speak for myself, but like, candy corn is always acceptable. I love candy corn. So <laughs> you love candy corn? Ugh. I really do. As an adult, I do not like it. You're talking to the man who is 99% sugar. And I am like one piece of candy corn. And I'm like, I think I'm Ryan's veins. (laughs) The blood in Ryan's veins is Mountain Dew. (laughs) Yeah. It's not Mountain Dew and cereal. Get out of my face. Yeah. Out of my face. Uh, So you're a a frequent, a frequent guest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say frequent. I mean, you know, like you're almost a co-host. Just Justin Kowalski, I think has the most uh, appearances. Well, he, he started the five timers club at the beginning of this month and you you are there with him now i've been on the show and five times <laughs> really yeah we talked about three books i guess i did two mailbags didn't i and you did two you t- yeah you did two uh okay. q a okay. episodes our our boy garrett grev minnesota's finest he has been on five times so yeah this month is, has created the five timers club Wow, covering the whole That's U.S. Exclusive. of A. You That's got the like East the, Coast. <laughs> you got the, the East 40, Coast. Forty Forty Club. <laughs> <laughs> you got the East Coast cover. Garrett's got Midwest. Justin's got the West. This is we've got it all. You just got to so get somebody on. down south. As soon as you get shoe on, you can get the south, right? You know what, Rick Shoe, who will never listen to this, but he's got demands because you know he's a he's an actor and bar owner. He's a celebrity down south. He's like, I will come on your show when you get 400,000 downloads. So um, almost there. But as soon as I, as soon as I get really big and famous, then he'll be on. Then we can represent every corner. So I'm getting there, Rick, watch out. We're coming. So Pete, before we dive in 
Um, why don't you tell me, have you been reading anything Batman related besides what we're about to talk about? Oh, I mean, oh, tons of stuff I've been reading. Um, obviously detective comics or review that for Batman on film. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what else have I been reading? Uh, I'm going to reread Joker War as well because I feel like everyone hates it for some reason. <laughs> so I want to under I don't understand it. Like everyone, every, it's weird how everyone declares like Joker War like this abomination. Like it's Gotham. It's not. I don't understand it. Nothing happened. Batman didn't kill the Joker. Nothing's changed. I was like, yeah, well, nothing ever really does change. You know, like why is this story the exception? So I got to reread Joker War and find out why everyone hates it because I can't. St- I can't understand it. I think you and I should debate that on this show sometime soon. Yeah, I'd maybe love I'll to. read Joker War and uh, we can talk about we can talk about that and how I'm one. I didn't have a hissy fit, but I didn't care for it by the time it ended. Right. I'm not saying it's you know it's year one. It's not it's not um, groundbreaking, but I don't think it's as a reason to, for people to be as upset as, as they were. You know, I thought it was a good story. It was fine. But for Batman on film, you're reviewing a uh, detective comics and that has been more consistently awesome, including the, um, detective yeah. 1028, 1028, that was one, good. Uh, right solid. off the heels of 1027. I thought 1027 was good. That was a celebratory mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Um, and that is, yeah. So we're two, we're actually two issues away from Joker. Uh, not even, like, there were some tie-ins of Joker war. So it's the first actual, uh, breakaway issue from that. Uh, mega event so we'll see where happens it was cool i mean it, it's got how 1028 has halloween themes if you like sleepy hollow um mm. i think they'll dig this so it's it's oh. a fun one love halloween and love i just watched hollow. tim burton sleepy hollow the other day and it was fun it was ah. a great time hallelujah pete that's a top five horror movie for me i it's love great. that one uh burton johnny depp danny elfman what else what else uh do you need let's be honest you know, let's let's throw in christopher lee i mean why not okay yeah he's at the very yeah. beginning yeah, Chris, I don't know. Chris, Chris Walken's in there too. Little shades of Max Alfred, Alfred's in Michael it. Michael Goff's in it. Mm-hmm. So um, all the all the Tim Burton mainstays make an appearance at some point. And then they then some of the Harry Potters pop in there. Also, uh, Uncle Vernon hops in there. Dumbledore's okay. in there. Yeah, I know you're not a big Harry Christi- Potter. Fan? I'm not a big Harry Potter. I'm not a big Potterhead. Uh, is Christina Ricci a, a typical Tim Burton? I feel like she would be. She's. Unless I'm just thinking of her as Wednesday Adams because she's always pale. <laughs> she's just, <laughs> no, she's, I, like, I she's perfect for Burton. That Sleepy Hollow might be might be it. It's just you mistake or everyone kind of assumes that the Adams family was a Burton movie because it it looks so Burton, but that was not um, not Tim no, Burton. No, but it's it's, it's, it's fun. I watched Adams Family Values. It was on TV the other day. I enjoyed that actually. Those movies are so good. They are. They are. They're so good. All right, so um, why don't you go ahead and explain to me what book we are about to talk about? Uh, well, we are going to talk about Madness from mm. Batman Haunted Night, mm-hmm. uh, the collective edition, which was written by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And this is one of my favorite all-time stories. And Ooh. yeah, Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I love – apparently I love tiny villains. So right there with the penguin is my guy, Jarvis Tetch, the Mad Hatter. And I'm a huge Mad Hatter fan. Um, I love what the animated series did with him. Both, uh, both, uh, I guess, images or incarnations, whatever, both ways they drew him. Um, I love what Arkham did with the Mad Hatter. I have a little Mad Hatter action figure on my bookshelf right here. And uh, I just think he's a really cool character and the whole like, just mind manipulation, mind control, which probably would have been better for the Hatter to be in Batman Forever than the Riddler, but that's a different story. Uh, it, it, he's just—he's an interesting villain. He's—I think he's very dynamic. Um, you know, going back to the nursery rhymes and Alice and all that stuff, and it's—and it, it, in this book particularly, he's—I uh, think he's portrayed pretty well uh, from the the drug tea to just the nur- the nursery rhymes. I actually think he excels at Jeff Loeb in this book because. Usually, I hate rhyming characters. You know, like Thor talks funny Etrigan, in Marvel books. Etrigan, the demon. Etrigan, I can't stand listening to Etrigan rhyme outside of the Flashpoint animated movie because he probably has like two lines in the whole movie. <laughs> but uh, what Jeff Loeb did with uh, Jarvis here, I thought was pretty slick. And also, what I, I, I don't know if this is most, I feel like this is actually more than anything else, a Gordon story, you know? Uh, Babs, uh, she's just kind of in the city. Uh, she just moved into town. She's getting used to calling her uncle dad, you know, or she's debating. She's like, is it my uncle? Is it my father? Like what is, who is Jim Gordon? 
and Jim's a little overprotective. And there's there's a very strong family dynamic in the book. You know, Babs eventually sneaks out and gets caught into a uh, a little ta- a little tussle between Batman and the Mad Hatter, and Jim Gordon gets involved. And there's actually kind of like <laughs> you know reading rereading it now because um, I kind of reread it every year. I get like a little bit of Dark Knight in it, like the end of Dark Knight when Jim Gordon's like trying to save his kids and Batman's in between him and. You know what I'm saying? So there's like a little bit of that in there. And that's cool. I just kind of picked up on that for the first time. I was like, oh, wow. Like this reminds me of Dark Knight a little bit. But uh, I mean, as good as the writing is for Loeb, let's be honest, Sales steals the show here. I mean, his Batman is is beautiful. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like my favorite three artists are in, in no order because I can't pick, but Tim Sale, Neil Adams, and Michael Turner. You know, they couldn't be any different from each other, but they're so iconic, each one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many good pages of just splash pages of Batman looking just stoic and heroic, and the Mad Hatter looks great, and he just <laughs> with that big hat and the flowing jacket. It's just it's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful mm-hmm. artwork. So I want to rewind real quick, and then how do you pronounce his full name? Which one? The Mad Hatter. Uh, isn't it Jarvis Tetch? Oh, I thought you said Jarvis. <laughs> Jervis. Jervis? Did I say Jervis? Yeah. I don't remember. Not I was hoping it. Jarvis is going to hop up on that wall with Tom and Z. And oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. I pronounce I things wrong all the time. Wrong all I love the time. It. It's your accent. I love I it. Guess. Don't ever change, Pete. Never I, change. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sure Justin will complain about this. I hope so. Well, he usually um, does. He likes to. Ra- <laughs> he likes to ruffle my feathers. Uh, so madness was the second of three annual Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween specials from this creative team, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. Mm-hmm. And it preceded the Long Halloween, their their classic story, I think their most uh, cherished mm-hmm. and highly praised story. The it, Madness, it was initially released in October of 1994, and then it's been collected in multiple trades, an absolute edition, and it's now on DC Universe. Uh, what version did you read for this episode? I have this, I have a trade paperback. It's got the orange cover with the, 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 the image of Batman, the mid body shot. And it's got Jervis <laughs> Joker and Scarecrow's head on the cover. And it's got that classic DC bullet up in the upper left-hand corner. So I don't know when this particular one was published. I think that was like 2003. Yeah. I, I yeah. bought them all around the same time. I remember when I remember I I read the Long Halloween from start to finish on a plane ride to Paris, so I would imagine, and these are all kind of like you know like Long Halloween's got the blue cover and then uh, Dark Victory's got the red, so I imagine when they were all printed around the same time. Yeah, and I think they were because that's when when I stumbled upon the Long Halloween. This was the, the version you have was next to it, and then Dark Victory was next to mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story I've said probably more than once on here of getting the long Halloween, I had to choose because I was just starting to work. So I didn't have a bunch of money on me. So I had to buy one. Fortunately, it was the long Halloween. Then found out Dark Victory was its sequel. And then I went back and got Haunted Night, the version that you have. Well, so the good it was thing about probably, Haunted Night was it was only 15 bucks. So yeah. it's, it's actually the cheapest one out of all of them. <laughs> at, the, at the time, that was over three hours of work for me. Uh, <laughs> $7 an hour. It was it was so worth it. It was so worth it. But it was probably 2003. That was probably the first time that I read it. When was mm-hmm. the first time that you read it? Uh, let's see. Oh god, I took that trip to Paris in 07. So it was probably after it was pro- I probably re- I definitely read Long Halloween first. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably around like 08, 09. I would say that's probably when it is cuz I was like, ah, like Long Halloween and Dark Victory are, like you said, the more popular books. So it's like, I got to read those first. And like, and then I kind of was like, oh, these are cool. And then, you know, and then I've actually collected the single issues. Um, Ooh, nice. The back issues. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got them too. They're downstairs in the long box. But my faithful reader's copy always comes in handy. But I would say probably like 08, 09. Very well played. I, as soon as they announced releasing an absolute edition. I bought an absolute edition of Haunted Night. I'm so which jealous. Includes the three versions of Fears, Madness, and Ghosts, as well as Catwoman when in Rome, also done by Loeb and Sale. 
Uh, it is still, I misinformed you. I think you asked me how, uh, the other day how much that costs. Mm-hmm. It is not out of print. It is on Amazon for like $70, or you can buy it uh, from a used or new $68, or InStockTrades.com, $57.99, Pete. I'll, uh, you spend over $50, it's free shipping. I'm going I'm to I'm going to go to Main Street Comics and I'll uh, I'll talk to them about it and I'll try to support yeah. them but we'll They're see. your boys. They're your boys. <laughs> uh you know you know I, I always I don't like support, I don't like buying books outside the comic shop. I feel like I got to support yeah. them. Yeah. You know. Well, there you go. I'm so trying, I try to do my part. But yeah, like I I it's when you told me you had this as an absolute edition, I was like, dude, that's awesome because I mean, it's the it's the Mad Hatter. There's a whole center Mad Hatter store and I love the Hatter. Yeah. I've got an absolute edition of uh, Long Halloween and um, Sinestro Corpse War, and those are absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And uh, I'm would I, I think I have to add this one as well. I think it's it's totally worth it because I think I missed out on reading this last year mm-hmm. around Halloween. Like I don't know what happened, uh, busy whatnot. So cracking this open for the first time this year, and first of all, just smelling new pages. Like oh, mine's got that mm. old paper smell. It, it feels Justin like Cole. construction paper, mm. you know, now, now you got me. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing Coke. I'm sitting here just, <laughs> just sniffing my book. Like I'm doing well, blow. Justin Kowalski came up with an idea that Yankee candle needs to hop on a floppy candle and you just, and you just smell these new pages of a comic. Mm. And this is like, you know, as in all lobe and sale, uh, mm-hmm paper it's like a, a thicker paper that has a you know even different smell and it's oh my gosh it's just it's a gorgeous it smells great but then opening it and all the art on this it was just like oh my gosh it's been so it's been at least two years since i've read this because usually i do a cycle and i'm like long halloween dark victory let's mm-hmm. hop into some mm-hmm. haunted night and it's been like two years yeah at least since i've since i've read haunted night and so uh the the pages you know, absolute size and the art is just phenomenal. Yeah. Sales art oh, is phenomenal. So like it's, it's well worth your money. So those extra large prints of the work are just absolutely stunning. And the good thing about like, it's funny. Cause like I said earlier, this is usually always the cheapest version of the three of his like Batman trilogy, so to speak. Yeah. So it, it's always like, Oh, this is affordable. It's an absolute edition. And then it's like, and then you throw in when in Rome and you're like, well, this is kind of a steal. I, this should be kind of, because I I think my I think my long Halloween was like a hundred bucks. Mm. I feel like it was pretty expensive. I don't even remember what I paid for it when it was. I got the first first printing of that as soon as it was announced. I was like day one, it's mine. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, I don't know. Highly recommended. Anybody if you don't have Absolute Haunted Night, do it. But let's yeah. dive into madness. Let's dive into madness. What made you? When I threw out this proposed idea of a, a special spooky Halloween month for the Batman Book Club, what made you say madness? Because I mentioned oh. it before on this show. Mm-hmm. When I threw the invite out there to everybody, I was I figured like all three stories of Haunted Night were going to be snatched up like that. And instead, nobody chose one except you. And I think you might have been the last person to to pick a story and you chose madness. What made you choose madness? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's all about the Mad Hatter. Uh, I I love the character. I love Jervis. I'm I'm happy that you call me and I'm saying it's Jervis. Name. Come on, uh, it's Jervis. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh jeez, I'm never gonna live this down. Um, no, I just I love it. It's great, and like I said, it feels so intimate. Like it's not really a Batman story as much as it is a Gordon story. You know, it's just Babs uh-huh. getting caught up in the in the drama that is Gotham City. You know, it's 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 you know. Uh, the rebellious kid trying to prove to their parent, like I- I'm old enough to do this. It's like, dad, I can go out in the city by myself. I'm fine. And it's like, no, you can't. Cause you just got, <laughs> you just got kidnapped by the mad adder. Like, this is- <laughs> yeah. So I'm right. But then you see the family dynamic and you see like Jim's like trying to learn how to be a parent, you know, like, and, and, and it seems like it's, it's a struggle for him because mm-hmm. he's not used to it. And uh, you know, Babs is challenging him and just saying, you know, again, just being a, re- a rebellious teenager and it's just, it's well, so let's dive, in, let's dive into that first. It's, I think this was by far the first time like, it, it threw me for a loop that Babs wasn't his daughter, like blood mm. daughter, yeah. direct descendant daughter. And that threw mm. me for a loop. Like was, has this ever happened? Bef- like somebody's going to yell at me that's listening to this, I'm sure. But like, 
Was there any stories before this one where she was a niece and not his direct daughter? I don't know if this is the first, but I know it's not uncommon. You know, like I know, oh, geez, it's like, I know currently right now, um, or, or even probably I'd say since new 52, Barbara has been Jim's daughter. Like that's been constant. And it's been that way before. I believe the first incarnation of Batgirl was Jim's daughter. Uh, uh, Yvonne Craig from Batman 66, I believe was Jim's daughter. Correct. I'm not mistaken on that. I haven't watched 66 in a while, but so it, it's something that's always been in play. I feel like that I can remember, you know, like I'm, I mean, I'm born 86. So uh, growing up as a kid of the nineties, Barbara being Jim's niece, isn't something new, but it's, 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 it is kind of different. And it, it it's, it creates an interesting dynamic how, you know, she, in the, especially in this story, how she's always trying to prove herself and, she ends up getting caught with Batman in the midst of this whole just, uh, just chaos, and it's just like at, at some point, you know, she just comes out and says, "Like I'm not some cop you can bark orders to," you know. She's she's clearly just rebelling against her, and it, it you don't know if it's just because of whatever her situation is, you know, like why she's mm-hmm. there, and she, maybe she feels like she shouldn't be away from home. Um, I believe she in the story she says she's from Ohio. Does that ring a bell to you? I believe I read that earlier. Uh, I I don't remember her saying that. But that'd be what's their fascination with Ohio? Because wasn't isn't in Dark Victory that's where Barbara goes? Mm, she uh, went, she she fled to Ohio. Yeah, uh, it, it was either Ohio or Chicago. I can't remember. So again, like you're trying to, I imagine that this is Jim's brother's daughter too, mm-hmm. right? Because she, her, I believe her last name is Gordon. That's and that's how some ways they kind of work around it without mentioning. Oh yeah. It. Okay. Hmm. But it's kind of because usually traditionally, like, I think, isn't Barbara's uh, isn't the mother always named Barbara too? Like, isn't Babs yeah. named after her mother? So it's interesting that her and her aunt have the same name. Just yeah. we'll, we'll just retcon it. Nobody will notice. Man, <laughs> 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 yeah, whatever. And also, like one of the great parts about this story is just, and this is what Loeb does so well is. He likes it's not subtle. But he, it's it's right out there, but he intertwines like a specific thing about a villain into like Batman. So it's just you know reading the the Alice in Wonderland story to Bruce's Martha's reading it to Bruce, mm-hmm. you know, and and Thomas is kind of like, why are you reading him that? He's kind of grow. It's like, and then we're gonna go see this Zorro movie, you know, and he's like, this is all kids stuff. So it's like. It's one of the first times where, like, you know, like usually Thomas Wayne has kind of been portrayed as like this outside of Joker, just this, you know, gold standard of human being, like top quality guy. And it's it's weird to see him kind of push back a little bit. And uh, it was cool to see in this story that the reason why Martha wears the pearls is because Bruce wants this night to be a special night for the family. And, you know, she's like, well, we were, she's like, you know, we're going out to the movies, Bruce. Why do we have to wear the pearls? They're for special occasions. And he's, well, let's, let's make tonight a special occasion. Yeah. Can't tonight be, can we make it special? And let me tell you, Martha Wayne has never looked better. Like she looks (laughs) like very seductive in the, in her future. Those Tim Sale eyes, like he can draw, he can draw some eyes on them. And I think her face highly Mm -hmm. resembles the. Uh, Mrs. Barbara Gordon. Like if you if you just turn the page and look, like mm-hmm. look at those close ups of Martha, and yeah. then it, the panel below with, and it's just yeah, I don't know. Like I don't I'm know. Actually, got a poster. Some good eyes. Tim Sale, Gwen Stacy. It, it's 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 like those thick eyelashes, you know, and it's just, they're not quite Betty Boop eyes, but they're big, like doe eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you you do get lost in them. He he is a fantastic artist. Yep. So, yeah. So Loeb, credit to Loeb on he does. He captures another good like. It's not a crutch. It's just he does it so seamlessly, of connecting like something, in the present, to Bruce somehow with his mom. Yeah, and I think this is done really well of. I mean, it, it's just an emotional a way to bring in some emotion. Otherwise, it's not like Bruce is like, I know how you feel, Jim, because my mom didn't like me yelling at her, too, or, you know, anything like that. It's just uh, he just does a dynamic of a of a parent mm-hmm. and a and a child 
Um, I don't know. It just works works really well. So the flashbacks here, we don't directly see a Wayne murder, but you know it's heavily implied in those panels mm-hmm. of just like the gun barrel, the pearls and stuff. But um, I think that works well here too. Like, cause I, I think this was almost before w- the joke uh, came around of oh, another Wayne murder. You know, like yeah, it wasn't. Well, that's usually up that's a movie much. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's uh, everyone's seen it now, uh, and I feel like every director. It's weird. <laughs> I, I know this is going off. But it's like the Wayne murders in movies is almost like a Batmobile chase. Like everyone, everyone gets to do one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got the best one. Okay, yeah. I've got the best one. Let me just let me just film it. But, um, no, I mean well, it was. It was just interesting how like oh, I, it's as, as I'm flipping through it now, just how. The, <laughs> just sales artwork and the, the colors that they use, like who did the colors in this book? Cause it, it, the, like just the yellows and stuff around Gotham city. It really, well, like, and even Barbara's to it. Barbara's hair. So when she's, mm-hmm. when she gets attacked, you know, in the park, like look at how her orange hair just pops in yeah. the, with all the blacks around, because I mean, that's another thing is playing with blacks and shadows is kind of a sale thing and it works. And when the Hatter and Batman are fighting on the train, it's just the city around them is like glowing. Mm. And it's, it's very, it's, it's nice. It, it just, it's just, I believe, what is his name? Uh, Gregory Wright did a fantastic job in this, this book. Yeah. And even when like Babs is yelling at, getting into the argument with Jim, like the lights come down and you could like, it's like, it's like, it's like they're building the tension subtly. Like, okay. So each panel is less and less colorful. And then they go full out like Frank Miller, black and white when they're screaming at each other at the kitchen table. Yeah. And I, I think, I feel like this Gordon looks so similar to, um, I'm going to butcher his name. So you're going to say it. Uh, the artist from year one, what's his name? I can't, I'll never say it. David Mazzucchelli. Yeah. Mazzucchelli. It looks very similar to Mazzucchelli's Gordon. Yeah. That looks, yeah. I get strong vibes of that. And I'm not saying like, you know, that that's the only character that kind of gives off like somebody else's artwork. But I'm just like, wow, he looks like they, they it's that thick mustache with those glasses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's lifted straight from year one, it seems. Mm-hmm. So you you address, let's talk about let's talk about your villain here, Mad Hatter. So you just talked about how the book, you know, a book almost opens almost. We get the first introduction of Babs and Jim, mm-hmm. but then in the background we see there's a bat and somebody else. You turn the page, we got a, a full two page spread. Batman and Hatter fighting. And then we get this really cool, like train top chase scene on back to back pages. And I think that's really cool trying to like, I think I always, every time I read it, I almost do like a, okay, Ryan, pretend it's a movie. How are they moving on top of this train? And I just play it out in my head and use my imagination with with that, how that plays out. Cause it just plays out so cool. And then only to crash into what classic comic here, Gotham playing card company, where, Oh, there's the queen of hearts. <laughs> like, I mean, there's something about Gotham to have like, <laughs> like toy companies and card company. I don't think there's ever, is there, like, I, it's just weird how these like ice cream factories, you know, oh, there's always a villain who seems to find like the appropriate place to like crash through, you know? But can we get a playing card company in a live action film or a toy company? Like I'm oh, waiting for that. Work. Like, because it's so it's fun when it's done. So my preferred Batman is you know like kind of like a darker mature, you know. And so you take like this story with how Sale does his artwork and everything, and it's like okay, they fall into a playing card company, whatever. But it's like, but because the story is kind of dark and you know shadowy and stuff, it's like it's it's an eerie setting to me, and that's just like oh, that would be so cool to see on film. Mm-hmm. That's why. I know it was rumored early on about the Batman and how the Mad Hatter was going to be in it, you know, and maybe he's still going to be, we, it's going to be a surprise. I don't know. But that excited me because I instantly pictured that like, Oh my God, they could play it like a, an abandoned amusement park that has an Alice in Wonderland section. Yeah. And, and like Mad Hatter, that's where Batman tracks him down at the mm-hmm. beginning as a cold open or something like that. Cause I'm like, man, like Mad Hatter is kind of silly. But he can be done very maturely, well, like you alluded to earlier of the yeah. Arkham series. Like Mad Hatter was awesome in the Arkham series. Even Robin Year One, you know, Mad Hatter is kind oh, of yeah. you know, the main villain in that. And it's like I always envisioned, uh, and I think this is too dark because I don't think anyone's going to do it. 
But I, I always envision like a Mad Hatter story kind of being similar to like what we have here and like kind of like taken. He's kidnapping kids. Maybe he's he's selling children, you know, like it, kind of like that. He's, he's yeah. some kind of like a child trafficking guy um, in, in the vein of taken and mix it in with Alice in the Wonderland. And it's it's because the book opens in basically kind of like a cold open. You know, you, you get your brief introduction, but Batman, you see like in panels. Uh, you know, Batman's, they're fighting behind, uh, behind them as uh, in early on in the first page, you know, and then it goes into them crashing into the glass and, and then the, in, into the train. So it's just, it's just amazing. And I would love uh, something like this in, in a movie. And the, I feel like the closest we've ever really gotten to it would be Batman forever. No, your show, your favorite show, Gotham had Matt Adder in it. No, I just meant to like, <laughs> kind of like the cold open type thing. Oh, the cold open. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I don't talk about that show. <laughs> I mean, guess, I guess in Dark Knight kind of had a cold open with Scarecrow. Yeah. Kind of. I, and I, I always wonder if like, if does Rises count as a dark open too with the Bane scene? Uh, uh, maybe. You know, I, I always yeah. wonder what, what actually qualifies, but it's cool because them crashing into the card company is kind of what sets Hatter really off the deep end. And because yeah. he sees a giant uh, qu- queen of hearts and, you know, Alice in Wonderland, the queen is in control <laughs> and it really sends Jervis. I think I called him Jarvis again. It sends Hatter over the edge <laughs> and just go to Hatter. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, it's kind of like sets the, the bar motion. And from that point, you know, and he then shoots Batman in the head and he has the hallucinations back to, his uh, the night that his parents were murdered. So that that one instance kind of put the whole story in motion, and then it's just once you get really into like he's kidnapping kids around Halloween time, you know, and he's he's kind of reliving you know the whole Alice in Wonderland thing in his head, and it's just it's it's kind of like a repeating theme for him, like he can't seem to get out of it. Yeah, you know, this is just it's what he does with Alice, which. I think, do you think the story suffers in that we don't get an explanation or backstory on his obsession with Alice in Wonderland? Like it just is. No, I think that's, those are the, I think those are the best parts about villains. I don't want to know why villains do what they do. I just, I just want them to, it's like the Joker in in Dark Knight. Like I don't need to know as much as I love something like 89, where I see like the creation of the Joker, but just having them out there, just doing their thing. That's what I I want to get. Just give me the meat and potatoes. I don't need, I don't need an hors d'oeuvre. You know, let's just get right into it. And I want to know, you know, just like what, what's the crime? What is Batman trying to stop? That's what's, that's, what's really interesting to me. And that's what I kind of appreciate. Like, I don't need to know what the, the reasoning behind, I, you know, I don't need to have see, hear them or see them justify why they're doing things. I just want them to do it. I'm with you. Like, I don't know why we got into this, into this habit. And it, I remember, cause I love watching like behind the scenes stuff and interviews for mm-hmm. movies and there was, there's always a comment of, you know, a three-dimensional character being a villain, you know, we want, we need to know, and it helps and it blah, 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 stuff like that. I'm like, I don't like always want that. I don't want to sympathize with the killer. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes they're not exactly trying to make us sympathize with the villain. Uh, it's just trying to be like, well, no, once you know their motivations, you can connect more and stuff like that. I'm I don't like, want to connect with them. They're supposed I don't to know Michael people. Myers motivations. And I don't need to know his motivations. It's scary in the first one when he is just stalking people and then kills them. The Joker is creepy when it's just like you cannot figure out his method to his madness because he doesn't know his method to his madness. Right. And like, so to relate that here, I just love because nobody is going in, picking up in 1994, picking up this issue and being like, I've never heard of the Mad Hatter. What are his motivations? What's his backstory here? Why why is he so obsessed with Alice in Wonderland? You know what? I don't understand the story because I don't know why he loves I'll Alice. I'll tell you why, because he's <laughs> mentally deranged. And, exactly. You know, and ch- chances are he's probably a he's probably a really bad guy. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, he's 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 kidnapping kids and drugging them, so therefore, you know, like that you you could put the dots together <laughs> and you could find you could probably be like, okay, this guy is really unstable. And I think he stays in line when they bring him up in the in their later stories, Loeb and Sale. Mm-hmm. But I think this is definitely a little bit more of like, as you just said, the meat and potatoes, Mad Hatter. Like he's yeah. more of a threat and more dangerous and unhinged here yeah. than in those later stories. And this is all about him. You know, like I feel like in the other stories, 
that Loeb and Sale have done together that he's never really the focal point. And, and in this story, he is. Like, this is all him. Yeah. This is all about him. And it's cool because he's, I mean, you know, he, he kidnaps Barbara to be Alice. Mm-hmm. She's his Alice. And he's got all these other kids in Halloween costumes and they're having their tea party. And it's. I just, it, it was always chilling to me anytime I'm reading this when you have the two page spread, which I think is a great image mm-hmm. and Hatter's on the right side. And you got the bat signal yeah, back, in, the like, back in the clouds and then the, the teapot and everything. And you've just got that rabbit given the side eye of like, have some tea kid. He don't yeah. like it when we don't drink the tea. Like that yeah. was always kind of chilling to me. I'm just kind of like classic Babs who I love Barbara Gordon. She and just gives everybody just shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't give a shit that you're some creep that just kidnapped me. Like, I don't drink this. That's like, what up, bitch? Like, I I like it. I like that, that she's standing up. But meanwhile, the other ones playing dress up are kind of like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. But then I'm really you terrified, too. except for this kid in the rabbit suit who ends up, you know, <laughs> escaping <laughs> and ends up telling everybody where she is. See, I kind of forgot, even though it's the very next page, but as he's like getting too weird and he creeped out the door and Hatter's just like, I'll go get some more tea. And that the the rabbit just ran away and he was fine. So does Hatter not have any goon? He doesn't have Tweedledee and Tweedledum here. No, he doesn't. At least that we see. I mean, that's fine. Cause we don't need that to bog down what the story is, but, uh, but that just like there, there's one where it shows him deranged as Barbara's trying to leave. And she's like, but I really have to go be going now going. The queen hasn't arrived yet. You're not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. It's like smash. And then it's just, I'll get us some more tea. I it's think like, the only uh, people in this house with him are other children. Are those kids? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's it. And I, I just also like he's probably so drugged up on whatever the hell he's drinking in that tea, he probably yeah. doesn't even know that <laughs> rabbit leaves. No, that's true. Um, so I think that kind of so with him. I mean, as far as him, that's kind of that's kind of where he shines for me. Is mm-hmm. he's the beginning train fight. Uh, when he when he gets uh Barbara and he's kind of creepy and then when he just loses it at the at the tea party, yeah. Uh, and the finale, I mean, the finale is drawn so well. I would like the finale how Batman captures him. But you also like we can't go and forget about this. But Leslie Thompson, Leslie Tompkins has a huge, huge part in this story. You know, she's kind of she. It's again like she's trying to help Bruce cope as a young child, and Alfred's trying to get it, and they're trying to get him to accept his parents' loss instead of kind of push it away. Cause I feel like he's not really gri- agree. He's not coming to do grips you, with it. And that's where pref- Alice in Wonderland comes in because it's kind of the bridge between like, well, you used yeah. to love when your mother read this. So let's read this and let's, let's remember the good times. Let's, I know they're gone in their past, but let's try to remember what was so great about your parents. And you just see like the despair and the somberness in Bruce. Do you prefer stories where Leslie knows that Batman's Bruce? Yes. Yes. You do. I do. I'm not one who appreciate, like (laughs) we mentioned Joker earlier. Like I I didn't, that wasn't my favorite part is when the the Joker knows who Batman is, you know, but I, I think Leslie is such, uh, uh, she's just as vital as one of the Robins in my opinion. You know, I mean, she was, she was there for Stephanie Brown. I mean, she kind of, she, she was, the whole Jason Todd thing. I I just think she's an asset to Batman. That's very uh, underutilized and was again, wasted in the show that shall not be named. But (laughs) I think she's a huge part of the one playing Leslie. She was great. in Deadpool. I'll say that. Yeah. She is a, she's a delightful woman. She was great in Deadpool. Um, But anyway, sorry here. She doesn't, she doesn't know. Oh, she does. Are you, are you sure? Because, when Batman leaves, he's like, Dr. Tompkins, thank you for tonight and for more than you can know. Like that to me made me think that she doesn't know. I always feel like sometimes it's an unspoken thing, but I think she knows. I, I just feel like the relationship between the two, uh, why else would this woman care about Batman so much? You know, like she knows he's Batman. And at least in my perspective, that's how I, I always take it that she knows he's Batman. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this one was. One where she didn't know. So, because then I have lunch, like, well, why are you still at Park Row? You know, like, why are you still here? Like, you know, you know, it's he knows that this is probably the only place in Gotham City that makes him feel uncomfortable. I, I think I'll ask Jeff Loeb when I zoom with him later this week. Jeff, I got really, a question for you. Are you really zooming with Jeff Loeb? 
I wish. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure. Like, you, you, you would have known for sure. <laughs> I didn't I know that was like a special. <laughs> a surprise, everybody. I'm talking to Jeff Loeb. And... Well, knowing you, I wouldn't be surprised that you had a surprise. Oh, you're funny. I wish. I wish I was full of those kind of surprises. Instead, it's like, hey, guess what? Bought another Absolute Edition. Also, Surprise. this uh, if you're looking at the trade paperback, page 127 is one of my favorite images of Batman. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to okay. just... Tell me which part. Uh, it's after he's... I got off the, uh, the like I guess, examiner's table with Leslie. Oh, and yeah. he's just standing there and he's just looking all just like buff and just you know momoa (laughs) (laughs) i've i've drawn this picture so many times as like okay like this is it's just my kind of like when i I, the pouch belt and just you know the 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 black underpants and this is just my my forgive yeah no yellow oval for this i can it's like it's my only gripe is the sale batman never has the oval but it's just it's such a beautiful drawing you know that that amazing square jaw and just those beautiful little slit eyes it's uh, it's a fantastic looking picture uh, rendition of Batman. I don't know if it's the absolute dark victory or long Halloween that like on the inside there was a similar kind of like mm-hmm. Batman image like this and yeah like that God that shit sale ah no it's so good it's amazing it's lovely he's such an amazing artist um, with such a unique style let's let's transition right over to. Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Now, I think out of the three, this the three Halloween specials, this by far has the least amount of Bruce Wayne. We get child Bruce mm-hmm. flashback. Otherwise, it is cape and cowl all the way. Yeah, definitely. And until the end, you know, and the end kind of ties the knot and brings everything all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like... I like that. Like we get a Batman. This is a Batman story, like through yeah. and through. And there's and some great interactions with Gordon, like classic yeah. interactions with Gordon. That's like a requirement. You want a really good Batman story. I mean, it can be brief, couple panels, but an exchange with Gordon and Batman, and like mm-hmm. <gasps> the whole like. And it's weird because usually it's on top of the GCPD and the Bat Signal, but this is like yeah. Sting operation. They're outside. They're ready. To, they're ready to go in, and Batman. You know, all of the Dark Knights like, let me go first, and Gordon's yes. like, you have five minutes. You know, and it, it's kind of, and but there's also like a humanity in in Batman and Bruce, Batman Bruce Wayne in this because you know there's some kid who's drugged up on like I don't know PCP wearing a cat mask, and Batman's kind of like, oh my gosh, calming him <laughs> down like, hey, like how how am I how how do you know I'm mad? You know, like it's it's just it's you never see Batman as like this calming force. He's always like this brute of anger and muscle and just, yeah. you know, vengeance. But to see him just interact with a child like that in the cowl is refreshing. And it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like begins when he hands uh, that blonde kid, the uh, whatever tool he's using. So that the kid in the cat mask saying it. So I'm not obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. I kind of think the concept's kind of cool, but like, uh, like the Disney cartoon, I wasn't really wild about. It. I've never read the book, but some of the elements of it I think are cool, but I you just, ever see I, the Burton movie? Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, I didn't see the Through the Looking Glass. Glass mm-hmm. I think was the sequel, but it wasn't Burton. Okay, but um, I never saw that one. I didn't either. But the quote of "We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad? You must be, or you wouldn't have come here." Like I just I love that line for yeah. I, I, inexplicable unexplainable reasons like i don't i don't know why i like that line so that is it's that's that's a really cool image too just drawn by sale mm-hmm. of the kid just laying down and peeking its head through the broken you know staircase and batman going up steps like that's just a really cool image so what one of the things we haven't talked about but uh letterer tom klein uh-huh. um what he did with the todd klein isn't that what i said Todd Klein. Oh, I, I, no, I couldn't. I couldn't hear. So Todd Klein. Yeah, Todd Klein. I thought was like, oh, did I see somebody else's name wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and check. He makes when he when he's writing the uh, the speech bubbles for the the Hatter. He he does it in like that you know like I'm making fun of a troll way on Twitter you know like yeah capital lower capital lower capital lower and I was like oh wow I, I never picked up on that until just now I, I think that's a cute little touch. Yeah, that's true. 
It's a good, that is a good touch. Don't you wonder, like, how would that sound, do you think? I always, oh, I don't know who voiced him on the animated series, but that's always the first, the, the kind of- Roddy like, McDowell? Yes. I always envision, I always hear that voice whenever I, whenever I think of the Hatter. I didn't know that was Roddy McDowell. That's great. Wow. that They, they were able to get so many good voices. That's why it's the greatest cartoon of all time. It really, oh man. Like, yeah. Can't debate it. It's like, it's a proven fact. Um, I think the closest thing you get to it is Spider-Man, Fox Spider-Man. From the 90s. Yeah. We had it made. And then, and then after that, Garfield, the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Garfield. I thought you were going to be like Neil Patrick Harris in MTV <laughs> Spider-Man. No. The Garfield cartoon is still to this day holds up. It is hilarious. Um, God, what a good show. And then the X-Men cartoon. But mm-hmm. anyways, great. So just, just to throw it out there. So the, the page while we're at the ending where Batman punches Hatter. Oh, through the looking glass. So the, where the fist, so it's covered by his collar, which I'm mm-hmm. curious why they did that. It's covered by his collar, the the fist impact in his face but it totally makes me think of there's an image that Sale, I think, punched the Joker. Like, has Batman punched the Joker like that? Yeah. I mean, it may be like, you know how, like, John Carpenter always has, like, someone's foot come out of the. He's, he's got, like, that signature foot shot. Maybe this is Loeb's, uh, Loeb, Sale's signature punch. Just someone just getting a fist to the face. It's kind of his thing. Yeah. Hitchcock put himself in movies, Sale. Put Batman's fist into faces, mm. and then just the, the the next image of you know Hatter just knocked down unconscious, and oh, Batman cool. in the mirror. Yeah, like that is that is so cool. And then the, it's kind of like a little up a bat on his chest where the where the glass is broken. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool. I, and then I, through I the it. looking glass, but I'm child. And then like Barbara gets the Jim Gordon moment. Like every Gordon gets that moment where they're talking to Batman and they blink and then he's gone. <laughs> you know, again, like I, I've said, uh, going back, like, cause Loeb is such an inspiration on the trilogy, you know, like in dark Knight, where Gordon goes, yeah, he does that. And then he, <laughs> he says it to Barbara. He does that all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, that, Bruce's study, which is that that study is the art here in the Batman book club. <laughs> the mm-hmm. the study it looks just like the one in Fears. Yeah. So I wonder if that was like if that was a like a bitch for sale to recreate like all those damn books. <laughs> but I mean, I'm flipping back and forth just between looking the two, and yeah, sure enough, it's like almost identical. Yeah. And so, the the well best done. part about this ending is it's it's the, it's like that emotional tie that just brings it all together and you know Bruce finally is like I'm going to read this and it, it's weird because like you've seen the flashbacks with Leslie how he's just he's not ready to revisit the story this the, the, you know Alice and that's probably why facing the Hatter is such an issue for him because of what it mean what what you know Alice in Wonderland means to Bruce and his mother. And then to see at the end of the story, him coming just full circle, full coming to grips with it. And he's, he's, you know, it's like tonight's a good night to read the story. And, you know, cause he misses her mm-hmm. and he's just like, this is the perfect, the perfect thing to do. And it's just like, you know, he, he, we never really see Bruce come to grips with the loss of his parents. Cause I feel like if he does, he almost doesn't need to be Batman anymore. You know? Yep. That's kind of how I feel too. If he so, did come to grips with it most fine, he wouldn't, Mm-hmm. He wouldn't suit up anymore. So, how he reads, sits there and reads out someone. It's like that's my ideal. Like grabbing my absolute long Halloween and go sit in a little nook, like an eight year old, and yeah, and just sit, hold that book, and then just read mm-hmm. it. Like, ugh. <clears throat> so, is there anything else uh, that you'd like to address for madness that we have not talked about yet? I I just want to apologize to Mister Tetch for pronouncing his first name. <laughs> <laughs> because I know I'm going to get it's a Marvel crossover. He's Jarvis well, with Iron Man. I'm going to get so much flack from Kowalski about this. Probably. Oh God. I could just feel it raining down upon me. <laughs> there is no way to edit around it and not interrupt the episode. So uh, really sorry about that. Yeah. I liked it. Never change Pete. Say what you want. Pronounce it how you want. 
Yeah. So aside <laughs> from that, from that apology, let's go to our, let's go to our usual of, do you have a favorite part of madness? Um, it, again, like it, it's so good. Um, I love the, I love Batman and him fighting on the train, uh, uh Batman and, um, uh, had her on the train. That's, that's a great part. It, it, a lot of it has to do with like my favorite visual parts are definitely the, the train and um, like the, the, the scene with Leslie where he, uh, we mentioned earlier and the, with the mirror, but like an odd panel that I really love is um, right when Gordon jumps through the window and, and Jervis is climbing up the stairs. It's this long rectangle panel. Um, it's pretty much solid green with a couple slits that look like stairs and oh, this yeah. little, this little Mad Hatter, like kind of running up them. And it's, I don't know why I love it so much, but it's just, just a cool little panel for me. So it's probably like my favorite panel within the story uh, for just uniqueness. But I mean, uh, in terms of writing, my favorite part is just how involved the Gordons are and that it shows as much as I love Bruce and his dynamic, uh, the dynamic between Babs and, and Jim. I think is really something that gets overlooked a lot in the story. Nice. Uh, I would probably say that my favorite part is the opening, the train sequence, just tr- like fighting on the train. It's Spider-Man two so stole good. it from madness. <laughs> it's tough to pick like a favorite part. It's like, what's your favorite part of long Halloween? It's so tough that like these two guys work in such a tremendous cohesive fashion that like, it's tough to pick one specific thing out. Like I gave you like three different parts of artwork that I really do like. And it's, it, it's so, it's such a, his style, Tim sale style is so unique. I, I could look at it all day. I mean, I got to go back now and just listen to that snippet with uh, your boy, Eric Holzman. Uh, Cause episode two of the long Halloween. Cause mm-hmm. I chose a favorite part. And I don't remember what the favorite part was now. And then it's like, and then just flipping through the book in general, like every time Tim Sale draws a jack-o'-lantern, yeah. it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So that's what I was going to mention. It's actually out of the Halloween, the three Halloween specials, I think this one is the least Halloween-y. Like Babs mentions that it's Halloween. And she I think it just takes out. place on Halloween. And no. yeah, so then you're implied of like, oh, it's on Halloween. And then there's that that throwback. It makes me think of the the spotlight from the sixties series, you know, like, uh Oh, caught Batman and Robin in a spotlight sort of, mm-hmm. of you see the trick or treaters and like the ghosts and the witch hat and then the TP kids and then the, the hair. Um, but otherwise Halloween's not very present in this story, which it's fine. It doesn't not like it bothers me. It's just like, I kind of noticed maybe that's something I forget every time mm-hmm. that I read it. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, this one doesn't has the least amount of Halloween. But uh, since you answered your favorite panel, of the green little spiral staircase. I will say, is that your favorite then final answer? Yeah. Final answer. Okay. All right. Mine is the two page spread of the tea party. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, is there anything more poster worthy? You know, like I try to think of the, when I pick a favorite panel of take away any dialogue, this is just kind of thrown up. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you get out of it? And this one for sure, I can I can get a story out of this. Like my imagination can run wild and I can kind of piece together a story and then how, oh shit, Mad Hatter's got kids and he's trying to force some another Alice because he has such he's very particular in finding his Alice always. Mm-hmm. And then in the background, it's like Batman is coming in the place yeah. it just it's it's shadowy, it's dark, lit by I want to uh, call it a cinnabras. <laughs> You know, you know what? I'll allow it. Look at this. If Tim Sales is on a centerfold, this would be the centerfold. <laughs> but it's just great, and it's like just the 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 over the oversized hat and the oversized bow tie and the sugar cubes and the way the candles were melting and like you said, just that look on the rabbit's eyes. Yeah, it's just, and then you just like the look on her face. Like we said earlier, like she she's not taking crap from anybody. You know, Babs is as strong as they get. You know, she she might be. Yeah one of the strongest human characters in, in the history of the DC universe. So, you know, it, she's just a fighter and a battler to the bitter end. And she's, you know, you could just see it in her eyes. She's trying to figure out a way to get out of here. Yep. Absolutely. It's a wonderful would you like, of art. Would you like to see this done in animated form? Yeah. I, I, I don't know why they haven't. I know the long Halloween's in the process of being made right now. 
Oh yeah. But I would love, I mean, this, I feel like these could be shorts, you know, maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes each. So you get an hour long. I mean, I can't imagine that these are very long. The long Halloween, no pun intended, is a long story. So like, I could see that why they would want to break that up Dark Knight Returns style. But like, this could be, I mean, and I, I just, I would love it if they actually, you know, adapted the artwork as well. Not kind of took a story, made it fit within their own artwork, but kind of try to copy what Tim Sale did, which what they did with Dark Knight Returns and um, uh, Batman Superman Apocalypse, how they uh, yeah. try to adapt Michael Turner's artwork. They should take the Batman Gotham Knight approach, except do, mm-hmm. instead of six stories, do three yeah. stories mm-hmm. and do 25 minutes each. That's putting you at yeah. like an hour, 15 tops and like just, and call it Batman haunted night. Like yeah. that would be awesome because we don't get enough Batman Halloween stuff. Like people freaking love holidays. They love October or sorry. They love Halloween and they love Christmas and Batman can fit cinematically with both holidays mm-hmm. i think equally i don't think one more than the other i think he can fit equally with both and if you did like yeah just man just uh, and just like the type of villains the rogues got like you you could easily do some kind of like jo- i know everyone's tired of the joker but some joker story guys in clown masks on halloween are causing ruckus you know it's yeah or like even just the scarecrow in general he uses fear as a tactic just or adapt these like they use. And that's mm. something I appreciated too, was the first one they used was Scarecrow, who I think has been used a lot more like the past decade than uh, in yeah. the past. Like he's used more frequently. He's a top villain of mine. But then the, the second one to come back and make Mad Hatter your villain, like that's awesome. And then for Ghost, the one that follows this, you know, they use, they use a couple of them. And like that's. Penguins in it. That's, that's incorporate. Yeah. Incorporate them. And I don't know. I just think that's a that's a brilliant idea. Come on, WB, listen to this show. Of you can hit all your all your big guys, but then also include the little guys. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, and that's what's great like, about like the Loeb and Sale just do these ensemble Batman stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like dark, it, it, the end of Dark Victory. You know, they all break into the Batcave, and it's Batman and Dick Grayson. You know, kicking some butt. So it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, I, I, it's always a treat when the two of them are together, and I wish they would make more, more, more stories. I just, I, I miss it. You know, I like, mean, it, it's theater one hundred and one of leave them want leave the audience wanting more. So mm-hmm. they did that good. But he left in an interview for Dark Victory, and uh, Loeb did when asked about if he was done, and he said something along the lines of like "never say never" or "we might have an idea" or something like that. But I think that was for. I think that might have been strictly for the absolute edition in like 2012 or 2013 something, but uh, still nothing. And it's like, yeah. oh, come on, guys, one more, please. I mean, it's just like I remember when I was collecting these and these trades, and I bought the trades first. It's like, and then you get them, and you're like, oh man, like this is it. Like, what what do I do now? Because I, I all three of this the the Loeb Sale trilogy is is so amazing to me. Like, I just I love everything about it. But then I go back and like I've bought. You know, I've gone out and bought the back issues of the Long Halloween. Like I have that. Mm-hmm. I have. I have two. Finally, sets. just completed that. Boom. It's great. I have two sets of Dark Victory. You know, I love that. And I have. Ooh. I have Madness and Ghosts of Haunted Night. So it's. So it's. But after that, it's like, man, what am I gonna do? Like, I love collecting these stories, and I have an absolute of Long Halloween. So I, I guess. I, I guess that's the next move is getting the absolute editions. But they're just. They're so they're so much fun to read because they're so they're so Batman and, and they're not, I don't think they're very t- standard Batman stories, you know, like I don't think you could, they're, they're classic. They're, vi- I guess now they're vintage, but they're so, and they're so definitive. Like, you know, they played such a huge role in the trilogy and it's like, you know, everyone always seems to come back to these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That almost sounds like you're, uh, like your closing pitch for Madness. Do you have anything else to say about this book? The story? No, it's it's just it's beautiful. It's it's something that I I, I want to read every Halloween, even though I don't get to it because my backlog is so so long. You know, <laughs> I've got to read so many books, but uh, it's it's a wonderful tale. I'm glad that we did this, and I'm surprised that nobody else in our group um, decided to pick up at one of the other two. Really, I mean, I, I figured it was a no brainer. Yeah, they're all fools. 
but I'm okay with it because it left it. I've left it for us to talk about. Yeah. So, so at least maybe next year we'll be we'll talk about one of the other ones. One of the other ones. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I have anything left to say about Madness other than it's a it's a great. I think it's a great little story. It's great mm-hmm. for Halloween. Uh, the art is as perfect as you've come to expect from Tim Sale. Uh, the writing Loeb does a really great way of bringing emotion into it and taking and hitting on three aspects of uh, relationships and in st- well, three stories connecting them with Jim and Barbara and then Mad Hatter and Barbara and then Bruce and his mother. Like it's just it. There's a lot that gets done with kind of a short story and little time. So um, definitely belongs on the bat shelf. If for some reason you don't have it, track it down, get any version. I highly recommend getting the absolute before it's out of print, but as long as you have it, that's all you really need. So um, Pete Vera, happy Halloween. Yes. Thanks happy Halloween. On. Thanks oh, for coming thank on you. yet again. My fellow horror brethren, like you, you love horror as much as I do. Maybe yeah. more. Oh man, I don't know. it's weird. I usually go on a, a horror movie binge this time of year, yeah. but I have recently started from the beginning of The Walking Dead, and I've mm-hmm. I'm I've just finished the first three seasons. I'm about episode four in season four, so that's taken up a lot of my time. But it's so good, and it's it's such a great it's it's the Sopranos of zombies. Like you just I can't put it on and not watch four episodes easily. You know, it's so great. But I did actually revisit Poltergeist this month for the first time in years. And I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, I love this movie. It's it's so simple. You know, it feels like E.T., just a little bit of a twist. And there's those Spielberg elements. And, you know, there's always the controversy of if Spielberg actually directed that movie or not. Um, and it's and it was beautiful. I've, I've watched other movies like Jeepers Creepers. Um, but I've, and, uh, like I, said, I mentioned uh, Sleepy Hollow, but I've got to get my Friday 13th Part 4 and my Halloween in. Those are my two favorites. Ooh. Hollow, or Friday 13th Part 4 is my favorite of the Friday the 13th. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ted White's uh, Jason Bull. He's, he's my <laughs> when, favorite. Um, Corey Feldman, when he first says he calls uh, the lady parts patootsies, <laughs> that gets me. And then when the guy is downstairs getting killed by Jason, he's like, He's killing me! Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Like, yes. And then at the end, die, die, die. No, it's ah. great. It's funny <laughs> that the voice this... of Donatello killed Jason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. What was his, what's his name? Dancing in that movie. Oh. It's a weird actor. Uh, Crispin Glover. Yes, his dancing. Like yeah, George McFly. George McFly. That's right. Ted, part where's four. the corkscrew? <laughs> Dad, <laughs> that's yeah. for you, Ryan Haas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I've been a madman when watching watching horror movies. I go on a horror fest. I started earlier now than I ever have before because I was just get excited and mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to start watching all my horror movies. Yeah. I oh, what did I, I recently just watched uh, the third Annabelle. That was I love the Annabelle movies. Oh yeah, I really do. Um, I know Sandberg directed the second one, and that's probably the best one. But I, I don't. Second know the one's the one. best. Um, I, I got to watch Con- the Conjuring 2, uh, both Conjuring movies. I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Conjuring 2. I know a lot of people didn't weren't as high as that as the first one, but there's so many good horror movies. I, I've got to watch Kronos. That's on HBO Max. Um, right now, I got The Orphanage staring in my in my face as well as The Changeling. Mm-hmm. I have to watch those, uh, but it's it's tough, man. Like I, I almost, I'm like, man, I just started I, – I, Binge so many so many episodes of Walking Dead. It's the only thing I've been doing, but it's it's great horror television, and uh, I feel like and I'm you know I'm dying for a new Friday Thirteenth movie. Mm-hmm. So we just went off on a tangent there. We did. That's okay. I just so actually. Today, By the way, your your hour mark is blown. We'll see. <laughs> oh no, it's, not, we, <laughs> it's definitely over. <laughs> the. Uh, no, I just watched the first Annabelle today, and then last night creeped myself out in the dark watching Hereditary. Okay, that's Oof, good. Hereditary is a good one. Oh, that yeah. is a good one. I don't know if you watched that one. No, I haven't. <gasps> also, I I've heard about it. I haven't watched it. I'm also I've also got. I know about this movie because of the late great John Schnepp. Uh, when I used to watch, I believe Collider Nightmares, uh, Pumpkinhead. Um, I have it. I have to watch it. Uh, I, he he loved this film and. Schnepp was a huge inspiration on me. So like usually when he gives the, when he gave the word, I knew it was a good one. So I have to watch it. That's awesome. I've never seen it. I have to watch it. Do you have Amazon prime? 
uh, I mean, I have it physically. I'm staring at the, the DVD oh, right okay. now. Like I, I own it. I, <laughs> I, oh man, I own movies that I haven't even watched yet. You know, and that that's on that's physically and digitally because I'm just buying movies all the time. Yeah. Uh, this these aren't horror movies, but I, I bought the Bill and Ted trilogy <laughs> because it was on sale and they were doing a thing. And I, I, I mean, the first two are like my childhood. And I love them so much, but I have to watch the third one. So. I'm waiting until November. I got to put everything gets put aside. If there isn't like a group of teenagers getting slaughtered in October, I don't watch it. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause I said I watched Hocus Pocus and you're like, I hope that was Mara's choice. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's my choice. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I, but uh, I mean, and I'll probably at some point I will. My favorite, uh, probably non horror Halloween thing is The Great Pumpkin. Um, I will watch that. I love The Great Pumpkin. Hmm. Big oh, Snoopy yes. fan. And Garfield Halloween special. Bring it back around to Garfield. I had no idea you were such a Garfield fan. <laughs> Love Garfield. Well, how do you Love feel Garfield. about the Bill Murray movies? Uh, terrible. Really? Yeah, I think it's terrible. I haven't okay. watched them in forever, but when I when they first came out, I watched them, and I thought they were terrible. So I don't think I'm going to gain any kind of different perspective now that I'm an adult. <laughs> That's sad. I love Bill Murray. So Yeah. But, yeah. So anyways, hey, Batman Comics, Pete. Why don't you tell people where they can follow you? Please follow me on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, and the Zack Snyder favorite social media app, Vero, at Pete Illustrated. Um, I also have a podcast that I co-host with Long Island's champion, Eric Holzman, straight <laughs> out of Gotham. You can find us wherever you find uh, great podcasts. Um, you can follow our podcast handles at straight underscore O underscore G on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you could also follow us uh, straight out of Gotham. Uh, that is our YouTube channel. We do uh, two live streams. We have a live stream special called the Iceberg Lounge, which is kind of a laid back talk show. And then we do some of a news program called SOG tonight. So me and Eric are trying to do our thing. We're just having fun doing it. And we're, you know, we got we've had, uh, we've had Ryan and SOG tonight. So that'd be great. Uh, if he could join us again uh, for either show, uh, Ryan is always welcome. Um, I review uh, detective comics for Batman on film. Please check those out. The latest one I have out is uh, detective comics, 1028, which has a sleepy hollow vibe. Perfect for this time of year. So that, that is, uh, that's all the places you could find me. And, uh, if you get tired of hearing me say that I got a link tree link <laughs> on my, uh, Twitter handle and that's got all of them. So one-stop shop. Bravo. Straight out of Gotham is very fun to listen to. I love how you and Eric, uh, discuss all things nerd. And, uh, it's always, as soon as an, ep- an episode is up, I'm subscribed, listen to it right away. So, uh, it's good. Thank stuff. you. Thank Doing you. the Lord's work, Pete. Doing the Lord's work. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> well, as I said at the top of the show, follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at the Batman BC, so you can always know when a new episode is coming up. So you can do some research uh, and when a new episode has dropped, or just subscribe, and then it'll be ready in your feed. Follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan Lauer, spelled like lower. Uh, if you would, if you have any questions or comments. Email at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. Send all concerns to at finale33. That's Eric Holzman. He will respond. And until next time, happy Halloween and read more Batman comics. Mm-hmm.